when I was working at Apple, I had to have like an outlet. I, I've always been a creative guy. I've always been a camera junkie. Once I had some disposable income available to me and I could afford telescopes, I kind of got into to, to telescopes. I, I, I could see stars from my backyard in San Jose, which was rare. I kind of lived on the outskirts. I always wanted a telescope. Every time I would go out there, I would remember about times with my dad and his telescope. So I finally got a telescope and, and was looking through it, and I started taking pictures of it with my iPhone through the eyepiece. And then, you know, that's, that's where it got crazy. With the Eagle, <clears throat> you get USB distribution, power distribution, it has built-in dew heater ports, so you can lose your dew heater controller. Uh, all the cabling and mess associated with that. Tom Bramwell is our guest today. He is the Director of Operations in North America for Prima Luce Labs, an exciting company that offers a lot of really great tools for the amateur astronomer. And he sits down and talks with Dustin and I about all kinds of things amateur astronomy related and <laughs> a few things not so amateur astronomy related. But not only that, he gives us some details of the new Eagle 4 Pro, which Prima Luce Labs has just released. So, thank you for joining us, and let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Tom Bramwell. We got the Tom Bramwell. This is um, Tom Bramwell from Prima Luce Labs. So good to have you here. Great, uh, great friend of mine and neighbor. You yes. are an Oceanside-ian now? Yeah, Ocean-Sidian. Ocean, yeah, Ocean-Sidian. Yeah. yeah, so... Um, yeah, man. It's awesome here. I just love moved. it. You Did are you just in, move there or you've been there a while? Yeah, no, we just moved here this summer, uh, towards the end of the summer, um, from the Bay Area. Yeah, just up up north, about seven hours north by car. I just I just heard there's a big exodus. Yeah, leaving oh, the Bay I Area. mean, is that true? Yeah, COVID basically taught everybody that you didn't need to work at the office and you could basically <laughs> live <I> wherever. <laughs> and so, like, there were millions of tech workers that were like, "Yeah, why? Why am I here? It's terrible here. I gotta go." <laughs> yeah, get out of, get out. and yeah, it's, not, was, it's not just there. I feel like that's everywhere. That's all over the world. People are seeing that and building. Even if it weren't, if it wasn't the case before, companies are building those new infrastructures to you know to have that level of efficiency with remote work because there are tons of advantages to it. So oh, sure. I think it's um it's an evolutionary shift that just got forced on the world, but probably is. I mean that piece of it. I won't say anything about COVID is good but that piece of it for some businesses might be healthy well there's there's there were things to be learned and that's always good right i mean there's yeah yeah I, yeah I, absolutely. I'll, I'll go ahead and say it where i worked before when so the reason we moved down south was because i left my career in tech uh i worked for apple for 20 years <clears throat> In, uh, 20 Silicon years Valley. at apple yeah 20 that's, years wow in 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 normal years that's like 40 that's like 40 years. <laughs> that's, and, that's the conversion. Yeah. Yep. yeah dog well, years is works. like seven to one. I think it's like two to one for, 
Yeah. I mean, because you would. You would work. My longest day at Apple was 120-something hours where I went oh to work. Oh, my God. Then I went home like, days later. Well, things things just move fast in tech. It's probably not just Apple, but like just in the tech world in general, things move fast and tech grows exponentially. So if you're not on top of it today, you're already behind. Oh, I would yeah. imagine that is the culture of those companies. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, the the group that I worked for, when I was in their internet group. So we had, we had hundreds of millions of users, you know, like everyone with an iPhone was hitting our stuff. And so... We were we were at it all hours a day. You know, iTunes was in there, all that stuff, all all the all the customer facing internet stuff was on the team that I worked for. So we were like we worked like dogs sometimes. Twenty so, years, yeah. I mean, twenty Apple. years of that, yeah. I was and done. then and now you're with Prima Luce. How did that happen? Yeah, well, so uh, when I was working at Apple, I had to have like an outlet. I I've always been a creative guy. I've always been a camera junkie. Once I had some disposable income available to me and I could afford telescopes, I kind of got into to, to telescopes. I, I, I could see stars from my backyard in San Jose, which was rare. I kind of lived on the outskirts. I always wanted a telescope. Every time I would go out there, I would remember about times with my dad and his telescopes. So I finally got a telescope and, and was looking through it, and I started taking pictures of it with my iPhone through the eyepiece, and then, you know, that's... That's where it got crazy. You can't do that to a camera guy and then not expect right. him to just start throwing money at that, right? So I, I just started getting like better and better equipment. And, and, and then eventually I, I, I ended up sharing a booth with Prima Lucha Lab at a trade show in San Jose. Um, I was AIC repping. then. Yeah, AIC. Yeah, yeah. Advanced Imaging miles. Conference. Yeah, so you were, you were deep in show. the imaging bubble then. That's like the show for imaging well i mean but i really wasn't at the time i was just a, a fan of the avalon mount which you know right i'm a big avalon fan so i i had these mounts and they were coming to the show uh from italy and um we had become friends and so i offered and i was like well it's in my hometown and i have two of your three mounts why don't we just show my mounts at the show and you don't have to bring them and they're like oh my god that's awesome like Perfect. Yeah. So like, if you want just like throw on a red shirt and, and talk about your mounts and, and wow. then, yeah, they, 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 uh, helped me out with some hardware. I got like some free stuff and it was just a good relationship, but, um, they shared a booth that year with Prima Luce lab and I'd never, I'd never heard of them before. I didn't have any of their products and, and, uh, I ended up picking up Filippo at the airport. Uh, they kind of all traveled together and, uh, yeah, he, he was telling me in the car on the way back from SFO about the Eagle and what they were going to uh, announce the Eagle too. The Eagle's the AIC. one that brings everybody in with Prima Luce. That's, you know, uh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's where everybody well, gets caught. Yeah. I mean, he was describing this thing to me and I had never heard of it. I was still pretty new to Astro and he was describing what it did. And I was like, I was checking boxes on my, my list of problems. Like, so I used to image from a laptop and I would sit out there with all the cables and swear. So when it. you, when you say imaging, let's, let's stop for a second because like Tony understood what you meant when you said eyepiece, but oh. will you explain to Tony oh, yeah. like what a, what a camera is? Oh, Tony, all Tony, right. Tony. Settle down, settle down. So Everybody that we just don't just get too far down. ahead. 
So, <laughs> what are these things you call CCDs? First of all, let's just. <laughs> I uh, I have to say that I got to know you guys driving back and forth from San Jose to Oceanside, getting ready to move here. So I mean, it's a seven hour drive, and so I would just like I would just marathon Space Junk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so like all first off, right. it's, yes. first off, That's it's awesome. really cool seeing your face, Tony, because I've only ever heard your voice. It's kind of like <laughs> like when you're a kid and you see your teacher at the grocery store. It's like shocking weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Oh, so this is weird. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, not, totally not what I expected. Yeah. Way more handsome than your voice lets on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, but I, I, sure I feel like I know that. you and we've never spoken, which is weird because I like feel I have this connection. Well, that's the nature of podcasts though, right? They're, they're one-sided conversations. Yeah. So and I hear so, you guys bicker all the time about visual. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you just moved, right? You just, you just did a big move. Well, I also, thanks to Dustin, I did a big move. In fact, I've moved out of my house and into a 20 inch, uh, Dobsonian. Uh, I have a basement. Yes. And I have a studio. It's just, it's a little, it's, it's big enough now. It's even got a little shroud I can cover myself in. I live there. You have a Volkswagen and, uh, bus you sleep in. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the telescope. It's I moved into the telescope. I sleep on the primary. Wow, wow. And I'm, wow. It's, 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 it's that big of a telescope. I mean, this thing yeah. is obscenely huge. Right. And so I, I, I also uh, have a new abode and I'm enjoying Jupiter and Saturn right now with it. And yes, a beautiful eyepiece as well uh, to go with that. Cameras are allowed, but they're just not yeah. recommended at this point. There's room for that scope though. It would be criminal not to put like at least a video style camera on that scope, Tony, and live stream it. That, that yeah, 20 inch yeah. is such a monster. You know, Tony thought I was doing this really nice thing that Jenny and I were going to send him this 20 inch scope, but this thing was in my garage, taking up the entire <laughs> garage. And it was more of a yeah, talking gone, to Jenny, yeah. like, who can we yeah, it's burden? It's a spare room now for me. Who can yeah, we people- burden with this building? <laughs> <laughs> people in California don't like those things in their houses, man, because like real estate's precious and it's expensive. You're like, I don't need that. Well, in California, yeah. you've got to have a permit just to move it out to your backyard anyway, yeah. right? So it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. It's, it, we're talking big, folks. In case you didn't get this, we're talking about big telescope. Twenty. All, so, <laughs> all joking aside, though, Tony, you do you need to throw. Up. You got to throw a video camera or just some live stacking. You just make it happen with even a live stacking CCD, and. uh you know, show the images because there's nothing you can't see with that. I mean, you'd get Whirlpool Galaxy in a second or two, you know, I mean, you got light gathering right. capability that's just absurd with a half meter telescope. Right. And exposure times will be short. So we could, yeah. you know, th- these would be, these would be able to be. <laughs> it's nice fast right. too. It's a 20 inch F4 telescope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For visual. Yeah, for visual. So I mean, that's what that's what I told Tony. I sent it with a message that was like, "Do not look at the moon through this." Yeah, (laughs) blow your head off. Which I did. Which which I did last week when it was uh, full moon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it. I did it anyway. A full moon might as well be the sun at this point. (laughs) Yeah, still seeing spots. Like yeah, not safe for you or the neighbors. (laughs) Yeah, I actually donated my eyepieces to a buddy who does more outreach and whatnot than me. I had some, I had some really nice, like hundred degree 
really wide eyepieces and I'm like people should be looking through these and I never use them because I always yeah, have a beautiful. camera on so I'm like yeah yeah, we, we joke a lot about the visual stuff, mainly because imaging, as you know, uh, Tom, we'll get into the story more. I know this story, but I, I want to talk about it more because it's such an amazing story. But um, the imaging, you just get you get so wrapped up in it. It's the same thing with visual, but like imaging is just like it's all encompassing, right? Like it when I started doing astronomy, I fell in love with it immediately. But when I realized that I could merge the passion of photography with astronomy and then make it a shareable experience. It's one of those things where it's not just exciting. You know, this will be something you always do from that moment on. It will never get out of your blood. It's there and it's staying. And um, I think that's what, you know, and you start and let's, let's go right into it, man. Cause you moved here and part of your decision-making process in your home buying and every imager I know does this (laughs) was whether or not it's dark. Yeah. Whether or not you yeah. can image from the backyard. <clears throat> you go, the first thing you do when you go look at a house is you're like, you know, my wife was like checking out the kitchen and I go to the backyard. I'm like pulling my phone out. I'm like, which way is north? Where do we? Yeah. It's like, well, didn't you ask them if you could come back? Like, that's the creepiest question to yeah. ask somebody that you're buying a house from. Yeah. Can I come back at night and hang out in the backyard? Like, will anybody be upset? Yeah. Like, hey, well, while you guys are sleeping, <laughs> while you guys are sleeping, do you mind if I come back for another home tour? Right. Well, that's the, the thing is this house was not occupied. So when I saw that, I was like, okay. And so the other thing is too, is the part of, of uh, Oceanside where we live is we live up against uh, Camp Pendleton. Yeah. And so my neighborhood is full chock full of very well-trained Marines and you don't just want to go wandering into a backyard, you know, right. It's, it's not good yeah, for yeah. your health. Yeah. And it is, so, it is unannounced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Camp Pendleton literally is just a few hundred yards away. So it's like all my neighbors are Marines and, and, and that's the, one of the beautiful things about this neighborhood is how safe it is. So I just asked real politely, since the home is not occupied, would there be anyone that would mind if I went back there and just kind of looked? And that night that we were here looking at houses, actually, it was crystal clear. And uh, I got to go back there and see how dark it gets here, which is so Camp Pendleton, there's there's nothing there for miles and miles and miles. It's got to be like 20 something miles to my North of just nothing. So it's just dark. It's dark out here. Love it. It's amazing to me. Even when I, when I come out to to your place, what I'm amazed by is that we are right between two very large cities, Los Angeles, which is one of the most populated cities in the nation. And then San Diego, which is not a small city. And, um, you know, San Diego County is extremely populated. And we're right here between the two, and you can still see the Milky Way going overhead from your backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go out and see the Milky Way. I, um, the thing that kind of kills me about this area versus where I was is I, I'm 40 minutes from Mount Palomar. Like I can go out there, mm-hmm. like to the hour. With an hour, I can be to the top of Mount Palomar. Yeah, that's I'm, dangerous stuff, though. Two two hours from GMARS, I can go out to the Mojave Desert, be out there and just like crazy right. portal dark skies and just like nothing. And it's an easy yeah. drive too. It's not like you're driving down the side of a cliff like I used to do. 
Well, you guys just made a huge announcement with Prima Luce on the Eagle 4, which is one of the products that I, you know, this is the end of the year. And I would still say that it's it's one of the biggest announcements of the year. It's such such a great product and I want to get into it. I want to talk uh, about it more because thank you. Um, I am extremely excited about it. I, I use my Eagle 3 and talk about it on stream all the time. Yeah. Um, but first, I want to talk about why it's dangerous to go up the mountains because you have some pretty wild <laughs> stories. And oh, um, yeah. if you don't live out here where it's relatively common for people to see this stuff, it, it's hard to believe. I never would have believed that when I lived, you know, like in Alabama or, or even Tennessee. You just don't hear those stories that often. But out here, some of the best imaging spots are up on mountains. And you've had some pretty scary experiences up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I've met some critters at night. I There was one time I was... Uh, so one of my favorite spots to go was in the Los Padres Mountains. It's a place called Choose Ridge, and it's um, it's just over five thousand feet, and it's right by Mira Observatory, the Monterey uh, Institute Institute for Research and Astronomy. And the reason they built this observatory up there is it's got like world class seeing up there. It's like really perfectly still air, and, and it's cool and still. So um, I, I would go up there all the time, like every spare moment I would. And, and, and sometimes that was in the middle of the week and I would go for it and not everyone can go with you when that happens. So I would go up there alone a lot and I got kind of used to doing it. And one night I was, uh, they, the, so the choose Ridge, there's, a like a U.S. forest, uh, service lookout tower up there that for forest fires and they have, a they have an outdoor latrine up there that is like <laughs> it's like the the most beautiful view from any toilet you've ever seen in your life it's like 360 degree view from on top of a mountain of just like this beautiful california valley that it, right you're on the can and and so i you know i had had to do what you got to do at 2 a.m i went out there and um I was sitting on the loo and uh, I'm always very mindful sweeping the tree line with my red light and making sure everything's all good. And right. I sweep the tree line one way and it's clear and I sweep it back the other way. And all of a sudden there's this like seven foot long Puma standing oh there God, about, man. he's about 15 feet away from me. He's, he's, looking right at me oh. <laughs> and he's making the most horrible noise he's making this like noise and um at you oh directly like he's looking right at, at me you, he's looking at you right at me making that noise yeah yeah and you know pants are around my ankles <laughs> you know yeah yeah so pretty um, pretty strong position you were in yeah i am yeah, I'm a little vulnerable. So I, I, there's not much really I have. So I have uh, to my left a, a, a massive, big, thorny pine cone. Mm -hmm. And then to my right, on my right hand, there's a rock that's maybe a, a decent size, about maybe softball size rock. <laughs> so I, I grab both and uh, I, I just, I kind of stand up and I keep my headlamp on it. And the pine cone's in my weak hand, so I just kind of roll the pine cone at it, 
and it kind of darts back into the trees a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it's like real quick, like hike up my pants. So if I have to make a run for it, I can. And then I, I stand up really tall on, on, I get up on top of the commode and like hold my headlamp in the air. So I just look really, really big. And uh, <laughs> I chuck the other rock at it and it's, we're kind of in this little, like it's standing and it's looking at me and I'm like trying to make myself oh look my huge. God, and, and so I yeah. chuck the other, the, the rock at it and it, it kind of runs off. And when I, when it did, my Jeep was the other direction and a little bit downhill. So I just, I just booked it and um, ran down the hill and jumped in my Jeep and uh, shut the door. And once, once I was in there and safe and everything, I kind of turned back around and rolled the window down and looked and it, it came down the hill and it had followed me down. And so, so scary, like, man. I love yeah. that. Like you, you must've felt like it was, this was a really strong decision to have the first weapon of choice be the pine cone. Well, it's in my weak hand. I wanted to just like, <laughs> if it was going to come at me, I wanted something a little more like substantial in my dominant hand, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't quite 500 pounds. I mean, they make them bigger. And actually, so um, a couple trips later. They make them uh, bigger. <laughs> they do. Yeah. And I found I know what'll teach yeah. this thing. At Check Puma Labs. Pine Puma Labs. Yeah, Puma Labs. They make them. I saw one and I, there was a time I was leaving and I was going to close the gate. And uh, after I locked the gate and was going to walk back to my Jeep a few, just a few steps away, I turned and it was out in the road in front of my Jeep. And this this thing was massive. Yeah. And it, it had to have been, you know, a head to, to hind without tail, probably seven and a half, eight feet long. Yeah, this I thing had back legs time, like man. an Olympic hurdler, this thing. And, yeah. and to know that it was out there all night with me. Yeah. And people like I, I hear these stories, people run into mountain lions all the time and they always leave people alone. They're curious mm-hmm. or they seem to be curious, but um they they leave people alone for the most part, other than the one that was growling at you, which I, I feel like I would have I would not have survived that moment. You well, know, I almost think that, that it had terrifying. cubs nearby or something. Like oh. it was really testy. And normally but they will bears? like Oh yeah. Bears. Bears and rattlesnakes well, too. Like imagers come across these things all the time, man. Yeah, and I've since I've left Choose Ridge now that I've moved south, I've gotten reports from the Rangers that are there that the bears are back there they have bear yeah so i would i would have to be dealing with that now we still have less to worry about than tony does there in florida though yeah Yeah. well he has to contend uh, with the wild florida man as well florida man he's got florida man (laughs) that's right yes yes they (laughs) they're quite pesty those those guys (laughs) they're the ones who are driving 70 miles an hour through the national park with their bright lights on always in the uh, news yeah yeah (laughs) exactly um but no hey you know right here where i live i live kind of in a rural area and i have five acres here and there was a there was a bear with two cubs uh out rummaging around in the tree line on my property when i was out with that 20 inch dob and uh i just i just walked inside and uh, waited for them to get through the because i knew they were coming for our garbage so they went through the garbage and then i went back out again but but there's yeah we have lots of the florida bears here are they're um they're they're, there's they're quite numerous just because there's nowhere for them to go um so they're all retired to do is yeah 
Yeah, they're all <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a well, there's a there's they're a community forum, right? Yeah. There's yeah, there's a, there's a Florida Bear um, community. It's 55 plus. You can't, you know, you, no kids, no grant, no <laughs> no allowed. bear cubs or anything like that that yeah. aren't are allowed, right? But uh, yeah, well, at the yeah, beginning of the, the pandemic, there was a bear that was walking around North LA, like uh, I f- I forget the area, um, like around Pasadena, there was a, a bear just walking around like the the freeways. Yeah. Well, when things were locked down, when things were locked down all over the place, you suddenly, nature just yeah. came alive, right? It, it just took back, you know, there was Yellowstone Park. Nobody was there for a long time. Uh, uh, they, uh, even Venice, this, the the water, yeah. the canals in Venice uh, were clear again, you know, the water there because people yeah. were staying at home. Nature just came back yeah. and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, it was kind of um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Here in, and here in Florida, there's always a lot of wildlife here, but, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of neat to hear these stories of, you know, these, these areas getting reclaimed again. So. Florida is like America's version of Australia. You have things there that just want to kill you way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's oh, yeah, between, uh, what, what <clears throat> I don't, what I don't like are the, are the guys who feel like they have to feed alligators as if they think that's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, the people in their, they're in their boats or whatever, they'll just start feeding these alligators and, and they're not afraid of people anymore. So they'll just walk up on your lawn. You see stories about them all the time, walking across lawns or golf courses, things like that. They're just feeding. not afraid anymore. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's yeah. not a smart idea. Not yeah, a smart Florida on. is like the last holdout for things prehistoric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the other thing that really Florida is uh, really messed up for is that people buy exotic pets and then dump them in. Yeah, Florida, they let them right? go. Because the 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 Everglades is now overrun with ball pythons because people had them as pets wow. and they go, oh well, I didn't know they got like to be two ton snakes and I can't deal with this and they just let them go and now they're all over. They got no natural predators. The same with uh, the same with iguanas down in South Florida. They're they're everywhere now. So this was also a dumping ground for exotic pets. Don't get me started on the tigers. <laughs> yeah. no, tigers. no doubt there's tigers <laughs> running around. So. The, the thing about Florida that I will never, ever move there is the galley nipper. I will never, ever move to Florida just because of a mosquito that when it's described as when it bites you, feels like you are being bludgeoned with a hot knife. No thanks. Yeah. Never experienced that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. From the sounds of it, I, I'm I'm yeah. mosquito prone. So like the second I moved there, I would get bit by one of these things and regret it. So I'm just never going to move there. I'm done. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Let's. let's, let's <laughs> I, I derail us all the yeah. time. And yeah. I'm, I'm thank really, you, Dustin. Yeah, <laughs> all the time. Let's get back <laughs> now, to eagle. Okay. Yeah. Now, eagle. now we're done with uh, David Attenborough's wildlife moment. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, That's we got to talking segment. about imaging and then and then like life threatening imaging and history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you have an eagle right there behind you, so it reminded me. And you actually yeah, have yeah. it sitting on on the new Hobum 170, the all black Hobum 170. The thing is beautiful. Anybody that's a few listening to this and um, not watching it live, you're missing out because he's got a beautiful um, astro-, astro imaging rig sitting here. Um, what all, what all do you have there? Quite a bit of stuff. See the QSI camera. Nice bottle of scotch too. Yeah. He's yeah. Well, that's, that's from Dustin. Yeah. That's yeah. That was so that I would be relaxed today. We have a thing where, yeah, that we've been meeting, uh, lately to fix telescopy issues here and there. And there's been scotch. So, but 
good stuff. So not a lot of fixing going on. No, there's fixing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there. Oh, sure. Oh, we, yeah, okay. no, we fixed okay. some right. cool stuff. Uh, it's been fun. It has. Yeah, no. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is my new Hobum. Um, I'm still getting good with it. Jury's out. I'm still. I, it's my issue. I'm getting better with it. But uh, yeah, this thing's sweet, and it 50 pounds, and I can like pick it up in one hand. 50 pound capacity, and it weighs yeah, 11 pounds. Something like that. If that, I think. Yeah, it's super light. Yeah, I love those Hobo mounts for that reason. I, I use them here, as you know, um, but I'm also going to start using them in the observatories just because ultra reliable. As you saw the other night, I mean, the guiding was like this flat line, you know, better than the scene conditions. What was it? 0.6 arc seconds or 0.8 arc seconds or something? Yeah, we were we were about maybe three or point three or 0.4 better than the scene. That's crazy, man. It's, it's yeah, excellent good. stuff for such a small mount. But just above that looks like the Eagle. Do you have one of those handy that, that yes, isn't mounted to the telescope? I do. Well, I have the new one. I have the Eagle 4 that we just announced. So Let's see, let's see your best presentation here of that. There's the Eagle 4. Now, for the, I was told that, that we need to be kind to the people that are listening and not just watching. So I am yeah, holding absolutely. up. Keep in mind, there are people not seeing this. That like me, I, this is how I space junk was audio only. <laughs> I am holding up my uh, serial number 0001 of the Eagle 4 Pro. So we have a we have a podcast with Filippo, uh, the CEO of Prima Luce. Um, yes. And he, he goes over what the Eagle is. But for anybody that hasn't heard that yet, just in general, not the Eagle 4, but just the Eagle, yeah. the concept. What is an Eagle? So if you think about what you, how you normally image when you're sitting out in the dark with your laptop, if you were to take your laptop and remove the screen and take all of the USB hubs and all the cabling and everything associated with that and make it compact and rigid and bolt it to your telescope uh, so that that whole mess slews with your telescope and revolves with your telescope so you don't get issues like cable wrap and things. Um, if you take all the power distribution that you normally have, all these cables running from your battery, and you take that power distribution and consolidate it and put that in the box. Um, if you make that box accessible uh, wirelessly, then you no longer are tethered to the telescope. You don't have to sit next to it in the cold. You can go into a nice warm car, observatory, warm room, and uh, control your telescope wirelessly. Um, so with the Eagle, <clears throat> you get USB distribution, power distribution. It has built-in dew heater ports, so you can lose your dew heater controller. Uh, all the cabling and mess associated with that. Uh, and then the new Eagle uh, includes some really cool new features like a built-in dark sky meter uh, that lets you know the quality of the sky, uh, the direction that the Eagle's pointed. Uh, and it also has an external high gain GPS antenna now. So you can get accurate location data presented to you right in the Eagle Manager. Uh, so you no longer have to like dive into your phone and pull up a GPS how, app. How, how does that dark sky meter work? So yeah, so each each end of the Eagle has a sensor located on it. 
And then whichever end you have of the eagle that's pointed skyward, so typically like on this orientation over here, this end here with the power ports I have pointing skyward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you would take this plate off and then unthread this lens and move it to the end that's pointing skyward and then move the cap to the other end. And then in the software, you just click on which end the uh, in the graphical user interface, you click which end has the lens and you get the dark sky reading automatically. So it's just a, it's just a very, I'm, I'm imagining it's a wide field, little piece of optics. No, just, very, very narrow, you, just a you, couple of degrees, um, right where the telescope is pointed. Oh, so it's only looking at the section of sky that's mm -hmm. where you're pointing. So you yeah. can get a sense of, of, okay, so that the sky background, could, could you use it as a measure of sky background and then subtract it from an image? No, I don't know. That's not like a, it's not an image that you have access to the data. It's just a value. It's a light, like, like a pocket sky meter. It takes an average of some luminance and then. Yeah. It. It's like, it gives, it's uh, equivalent to an SQM reading from a pocket sky meter. Just oh, gives okay. you like a number, like okay. uh, you're watching a number like 19, 20, 21. Yeah, well, it's valuable data though because it it, it'll give you it'll give you insight onto like how long your exposure should be, and yeah. you know, in in each filter or color camera in general, you know, you can tell when when astro dark has finally arrived. You can tell when dawn is coming. You can tell yeah. when you're getting down into the cruddy part of the sky. Right. Start getting the number will start getting lower and lower. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting too because because these have them and they're going to start going all over the world to watch over the years how skies change you know because we'll have we'll have data well people will be measuring this for the first time because it's so convenient now that i mean honestly you're like you said it what it is is it's just a computer when i'm trying to explain it to people i feel like sometimes it gets like the the idea is kind of hard to wrap your head around um because of the way it looks you know it, it's almost like the size of two dovetails together except it's an entire very powerful machine computer it's a pc yeah. and so you know you can and a remote power switch which remote power switches are very big i had to put before before the eagles my observatories we had to buy these remote power switches have you seen you've been to my observatories have you seen yeah. how big those things are they're gigantic yeah, yeah. you know yeah. they're the size like think of a um like a uh a desktop tower like the tower that you would sit next to your desk, right? To run your whole, your, your entire computer anyway. Mm -hmm. um, like that's how big this thing is. It's huge. Just for and, remote uh, power distribution. Just for remote power. Right. Exactly. And it's, um, you know, it's a way for me to log into that remotely. So if I'm in California and the systems in Hawaii or vice versa or whatever, I can log into it and cycle power to the camera, turn the camera on and off from wherever I am. But the mm -hmm. Eagle has that built in. Mm -hmm. And I think for anybody that's had, like when I first saw the Eagle and I saw those power ports, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But it, it didn't dawn on me at first, like that, that little box is doing what this huge thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that big, huge room. box that you have is probably switching like AC power too, right? Mm -hmm. So, I yeah. mean, all your devices are DC power and we're already speaking DC power. Like, why not? Like, why just... Why run all those big inverters and all that? Like that box is just a huge, big box of probably just inverters and madness. Yeah. yeah. It's not neat. Yeah. So, 
I mean, that piece for me was why I started putting them in the observatories. But then after putting them in the observatories, which was really just about like space savings and convenience, I liked that my computer was the remote power switch. It felt like one less thing that could go wrong, you know, Um, because everything out there, like things fail in the deserts because everything, it's just a harsh environment. It's yeah. hot and then it's extremely cold and then it's I fail in the like, desert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, after using it out there, I did the reverse what most people most people are using it at home and they're like, I want to do it from inside. But then I realized I could put this on my home system and my travel system and leave it on the telescope all the time and not have mm-hmm. to carry a laptop with me at all. Yeah. Yeah, and I leave it all bolted together kit. and just move it. Like I move this as a unit to yeah. the to the site. And well, it's and funny because the way right you on. have it set up right there, your computer is your dovetail. Yeah, it's my saddle. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got, and then uh, the other way that I do it sometimes, uh, you know, I I have it. I'll actually move it down here and and mount it as ballast. It's just like a. I'll use it as a counterweight. Yeah. Two, two yeah, jobs. Well, it looks, yeah, it looks good. Um, and the four is very exciting. I'm I'm really excited about the uh, the sky meters, but also the GPS. Yeah, that's a really nice feature if you are going to be taking it with you portably to different places yeah. all the time. The GPS is super helpful. And then we've also been chatting with the guys at uh, um, uh, Main Sequence Software, the SGP guys, and yeah, Sequence um, Generator <clears throat> Pro. Yeah, Sequence Generator Pro, they're going to be able to uh, get the location value. There will be a button where you can hopefully just click and it'll go and get the GPS value uh, directly from the Eagle Manager when you're going to create a location. Uh, Yeah, so just boom, automatically populate your location field using GPS. Super helpful. Yeah, so so the Eagle is what brought you in to Prima Luce, but now... You're in charge of, so you're, you're, what's your title? Director of? Yeah, I'm director of operations for Prima Lucha Lab North America. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're also selling into uh, Canada and. Yeah. We have some resellers in Canada, mostly in the U.S. We have a couple in Canada. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, the U.S. and Canada then. You're not selling into Mexico or, or anywhere. Not yet. Anywhere else. Okay. Not yet. And, um. And so uh, all of this stuff coming into the United States, I mean, what what are the things that you're most excited about? Because clearly, like you were just a hobbyist. Mm-hmm. Now you're running North yeah. American uh, operations for Prima Luce. Yeah. Like what was it just the Eagle or was it all like the plus system and just the whole like what the, uh, the whole ecosystem? Really? I mean. I used all their products when I would go out imaging. They all kind of made my life easier. And I drank the Kool Aid, so it was. I it was, it was just always super helpful to me, and so I latched onto it very early. And I I was why I latched onto Avalon was that you know it like made me feel like a superhero when I would go out imaging. It's like getting. I wondered if it was just all the red. No, well, I mean it's a sweet color. I like it. But I'm my favorite camera is QSI, so it's not really yeah. a color thing. But does yeah, it, does it bother you that the QSI is the only thing on there blue? No, everything else in your system is red. No, I love the QSI <laughs> so much. I don't care. It deserves that's to a, be that's blue. That's a lot of red. That is. But a lot I just of red. really need red. my my imaging system <laughs> to be color coordinated. 
It's like uh, it's like Rudolph, right? He had the red nose. You just it's flip it. It's you know what though? Yeah. I, like there is part of it. You know, we're joking about it, but there is part of it for me at least. I like when the system looks good. I you know it would. It's not all just functionality. It's part. It's a hobby, and so there's part of it. It's like you want it to look good. And I mean, with Radian, we go like way out of our way to make there make sure that everything is like you know yeah. uh, way beyond kind of expectation. Of just just even that part of it, it's like it's got to look sleek, man. It's got to yeah, look clean, I like want a, a sports car. I want to wrap, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that it you know it works that way because we are enthusiasts at minimum with this addicts astronomy addicts maybe. <laughs> You know, it's like yeah. we're all talking well, about I mean, this stuff. Radian, Radian's day. like us, right? I mean, you guys go out and you use this stuff, and then you see like. You see what frustrates you in other brands or or just what's missing in other brands. And you're yeah. like, oh, man, there's got to be a better way. You know? Well, that's that's the way that innovation happens, I think, especially in, um, you know, uh, hobby industries is that you want to see the next innovation, just see the next frustration. Whoever gets frustrated next, that's where the next thing's coming. If they're in a position to change something. You know, I mean, you've seen it here when you come over. It's like we'll run into a bug yeah. or we'll run into something that's like, oh, that cable snagged this radiant piece. The next radiant piece will never, ever have something for that to catch on. Hence, like the rings on the Raptor. The only reason they look like that is because I've had cable snags and our team has had cable snags that ended an imaging night. You yeah. know, so Those it's are just frustrations. Those are the sweetest yeah. rings out <laughs> For sure. Yeah, oh, I, I love them, man. But it's uh, it's always it's always those little frustrations that tell you, like they are screaming at you the opportunities for improvement, um, both in just the products, but also just in the industry and in the hobby yeah. in general. Well, that's how our company really was born. Was that Filippo and Omar were were imaging buddies, and they would go out into the Italian Alps and and they would have frustrations and, and share those frustrations with each other. And there was a time where they went all the way up there, got all set up and found that they left one cable. Like yeah. they didn't have it. It was like the cable to the mount or something. And they had, they were done. Like they, they had to drive two hours back to Portanone with nothing to show for it, you know? Yeah. So they just, they, they're like, there always has to be a better way. It's so like the, the simpler you can make something, the less cabling, yeah. Yeah. And the more you use it, the better you'll know it. The better you'll know the problem. Right. When when did uh Prima Luce start as a company, roughly? <sighs> oh, I don't know. Honestly, the the firm answer on that, I think it's about six years well, old. Well okay, so yeah, less it's than young, less than it's ten. Young, it's yeah. order order of magnitude. That's all I yeah, care it's about. A young my company. question is this it's to both of you. Now OPT is not an old com or a, a young company. It's right. been around for a long time. Dustin, of course, and Ginny have, have renovated or invigorated it with an entirely different uh, life. But my question to you both is this, and maybe it's just from my perspective that I asked this question because I went, I started young in amateur astronomy in high school and in, in my early 20s. Then when I went into uh, professional astronomy, didn't really pay much, a, a whole lot of attention to the hobby itself, busy working on the stuff on the professional side. And now that I've retired from all of that, now it seems like the hobby has completely exploded. Now, back in the day, 
there wasn't, you know, I think the biggest innovation uh, was back in back in the early times was would have been Celestron's corrector plate technology for baking yeah, that was your a Schmidt Castle grains yeah. cheaply. That was a big innovation at the time. And then basically, and then Teleview came along and did a lot of amazing things with eyepiece design. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was an advance there. But, you know, these are... These are quantum leaps that were big in and of themselves, but they now it just seems like to me, from my perspective, that now we're looking at whether rings can sna- uh, can snag cables, or you know, can we you make make the perfect imaging night? And we we have so many people using so many different pieces of equipment that they all now see opportunities for making the hobby better. What happened? I mean, it's just, is the hobby just absolutely exploded? Not just with enthusiasts, people like you and I who are in the hobby, but companies meeting various needs. It just seems like, wow, this is nowhere near, you know, your your father's, you know, amateur astronomy hobby, right? It just it's just like a different world now. What's happened? Has it has the hobby just exploded? Are there really that many people? to support all of these companies? I I think that, well, I mean, Dustin probably has the ultimate finger on the pulse of what's going on here. But I think that a lot of this exploded around the time where they rebooted Cosmos. And uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson um, did the first season of Cosmos that came on. What was that, 2012, something like that, Um, maybe? Yeah, so I think it was around ago. there. Yeah, and it I it got a lot of people out to star parties. It got, um, I think, a lot of people just kind of going out and looking up more so. You know, that was on Fox TV. That was on like mainstream TV, and a lot of people watched that. And I think I started to notice a difference in people around that time. At least for me. Okay, but there, there's always been a cosmos. There's always been a Star Trek and things to get people right. into it. But here's my theory, and you guys tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people want to get into amateur astronomy naturally. Dustin and I have talked about this ad nauseum. People just are naturally curious about it mm-hmm. and want to get into it. But back in the day, 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you you looked at these telescopes and you went, oh, my God, this isn't. this is really hard. This is nothing's working perfectly and everything is in the dark and and I have to fumble with all these knobs and cables are falling off and it, it was it was a hard hobby to get into is yeah. my point now now they can watch cosmos with Neil deGrasse Tyson going the universe is a big place and we can you know see these alien worlds around distant stars and people go you know I want a telescope so they go that. to OPT or they go to <laughs> they go to Prima Luce wherever it is and they buy an apo they they turn it on it just does stuff it tells it, it figures out where it is what it's looking at what the day of the year is what you know when it is and then it goes what would you like to see well i think i'd like, like to see mars tonight okay so the hobby has gotten so much easier now is that why do you well, think? yeah i mean that so breaks it, down barriers it's gotten so right? big yeah it makes it technically approachable but is it a chicken people okay but is it a chicken or egg thing has the hobby gotten bigger because it's gotten easier or have people made it easier that had, and made the hobby get bigger. You see what I mean? P- companies like Prima Luce and certainly Radiant Telescopes, all mm. of you guys are coming out with stuff that's mm. easy to use and you get professional, oh my God, results like right, uh, right out of the box. You know, well, that didn't I mean, if your case. stuff is easier to that use, that gets more you're people have, into it. 
you're going to have a bigger audience. The easier your stuff is to use and the better it's built, the bigger the audience you're going to have. So then like the other people in the industry are going to see that and be like, well, our stuff needs to be easier to use and it needs to be better built. Right. So like everybody just kind of starts picking their game up. I think the interest comes first. I think the interest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People have to want. So the interest has always been there. There's always been this pent up demand of I want to get out under a dark sky. I don't I don't think there has been, though. I think there have been for like a few people. There are certain people. Tony, you're you're one of them. You would do this regardless whether it's simple or whether it's hard. That's right. You're going to do it. That's right. Period. It's just it's part of you and you need that and you're going to do it. I mean, we, we've had entire podcasts where you talked about like your life is not complete without it. That's right. And it's a, but that's a niche that makes it a niche hobby, but right? yeah, because of not people like though. me and you, yeah. that's right. So it's always small. I don't think w- we can say amateur astronomy is a niche hobby anymore. Can I we? think, I, I don't think so. If we're building this equation, we're really trying to understand this. I don't think that interest is something that exists for everybody. I think curiosity is something that exists for everybody. I think interest in the reason that you're seeing this big change, and you're right, the change is gigantic. Um, it is a lot to keep up with. I can tell you that. A right now, especially nights. with the pandemic, is crazy. Yeah, a lot yeah. of sleepless nights since March. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, it is at an all-time high, and not just an all-time high. I mean, it's at an extreme. And... I think what happens is you have a lot of things going right for maximizing that the benefit of that curiosity. I think curiosity, I haven't gone anywhere in the world and found people that were just completely disinterested in what was above them ever, ever. People are curious what's out there. What does it mean? Whether it's a religious exploration or whether it is just a curiosity of like their place in the universe, you know, even if it's not tied to a religion or a theology, it's just, I want to know where I am, period. Just point me out on a map. I just want to know where I am. You have to start somewhere. And I think that, you know, space is a good place to start. It's really the only place to start if we're trying that that foundational thinking, who we are, where we are, what we are. It is the only way to figure out who we are is by looking away from ourselves and understanding our place. And so I think that exists for people, but that's just curiosity. What makes it an interest is somebody getting over that hurdle that it requires confidence. And we have a lot of tools at our disposal now that that solve that force that didn't used to exist. One is social media. Social media is what I think is really making this possible because it keeps the conversation going after once it's started, it's something that it snowballs because multiple people can join the conversation. They can join the conversation for free. And that didn't yeah, exist yeah. before. And when you have a problem, you can put it to an audience of 60,000 like-minded people. And one of those people is likely to have seen that problem before, you know? Exactly. And yeah, we all share and we all get each other past these hurdles. It's a, it's a strong community online. I love it. Well, it, the hurdles really and, my, and my overall point is that the hurdles have gotten way smaller, yeah. easier to overcome. Oh yeah. Uh, well, that's the other you had to really power that. through a lot of crap back in the day. Yep. Oh, I mean, yeah. And you still do imaging. Nobody looks at imaging and says, that's just easy. There's a lot to it, and I think that's what draws people oh, to it. Oh, come on, Dustin. We've talked about this. The, a Stellina, <clears throat> come on, okay? I mean, a Stellina you, you, is you, easy. It's, it, it's pretty darn easy, right? It's easy. I mean, a Stellina 
is is very yeah. easy. So is Unistellar. <laughs> Those are easy. And I love that it's going yes. that direction. But I think ultimately that is inevitable. And what happens is once you take curiosity and you genuinely, you convert that curiosity to interest. And if if we can set interest as something that's going to be fixed, whether it was just because those curious in astronomy that feel confident enough to pursue it, which is a real hurdle for, pe- for people, there is a level of confidence required to tackle something like astronomy in general. Mm-hmm. But once that is overcome, whether it's because of the community online or because there's information is so easy to attain through Google or, or whatever it is. If we can say that interest now is fixed, then innovation becomes a positive feedback loop because the more people you get interested, the more people you have working on these problems. And the problems are always going to be innovation towards simplicity because simplicity is going to drive more people into it, right? And that's ultimately what people are trying to do is share. And if your goal is to share and you simplify it, you're going to share with more people. And so I think that ultimately that direction is also fixed. And the more we innovate, the more it allows other people to get involved in the practice of innovating. Right. And so it's always going to be a positive feedback loop. The whole community grows. And that is why we're seeing exponential growth in the hobby is because it's getting cheaper. It's getting more popular. And as it gets more popular and it gets less expensive, the barrier for entry is lower. And, you know, you've got obviously a lot more people talking about this and it's simple and it's getting you get guys like me that cross from the consumer side to the manufacturing side heck yeah exactly and those <sighs> jumps are possible now and that like like you know you and i have had this conversation tom but for you that was a dream right yeah. like you you had a phenomenal i wanted to do job. it so bad yeah but i why, really wanted why to be that, in the field you know? like like you had this job that i think most people 20 years at apple you are <laughs> yeah. something that a lot of people aspire to be, but that's a professional yeah. position. That's excellent. It was such so a why grind though. Jump? It was, yeah. I mean, I was, I had just done it and I wanted to do something different. My heart had moved on to astrophotography. I really loved it. And it had, it had become obvious that there was this channel for me and like Prima Luce really needed somebody in the U S there were things going on here that they would really benefit from having somebody here. Like, I've been doing hardware repairs for them for a while. And and once I started doing that, it relieved a lot of frustration for users that were, were seeing month-long-plus repair times that, you know, now they could get something fixed in a week. Right. Actually, I turned, around a, uh, I turned around an eagle for a guy the other day in 48 hours. It was pretty amazing from the time it left his hands to the time he got it back. <laughs> he paid for all the overnight shipping and everything. And he's just like, no, I just got to have it back. <laughs> it yeah. was amazing. Yeah, that made me feel good. But it's just like being able to do that, like after hearing stories about customers that just, you know, got left. There was one guy who lost his eagle in the custom shipment process for over a month. Like, yeah. and then it never went to Italy. It just came back to his house. Just nothing was ever touched with it. Like, you know, so, so being able to help him out there and seeing the need and being technically capable of filling it and, and seeing that Avenue kind of laid before me, I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is Tom 2.0. This is what I got to do. <laughs> Tom 2.0. Luckily, like Filippo agreed. Like we'd become such good friends, and 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 uh, thing I I I'd done some good repairs for them, and it felt like a good fit. 
Yeah. Well, I can just remember a time when a, a casual person would be interested in getting a telescope. Maybe they'd have a precocious child or someone who was interested in space, but nothing specific. And so what they would generally do is buy a department store telescope that was of lower quality and it would be inexpensive. It would be something they could afford and it always led to disappointing results. And that child never really got further in the hobby. I've seen the same with adults, retirees buying themselves a telescope that they weren't it was probably a little bit substandard, but now, nowadays, it's it's completely different. You can there's there's very little you can buy from a reputable company that isn't gonna that that will disappoint you. Most of them will be very good purchases and will be a great introduction into astronomy. And I think that feeds on itself. I think that after a time, you know, these these small little successes. And you're right about the confidence, Dustin. If you don't have much confidence, but you buy yourself a little, I don't know, a Celestron 60 millimeter refractor or something, and then you build up from there, uh, you end up with all these successes because now it's all good. And then you end up, you know, uh, building yourself a Prima Luce system with, with all kinds of really great gear in it. And it just seems to me like, I mean, I'm hearing stories in my Discord servers and the places that I frequent on socially on social media where people are having a hard time buying scopes. They, you know, uh, nobody yeah. has any. You know, yeah. it's like I want to buy one, but I can't get one. They're <clears> everybody's all selling everything they're making right now. It's, it's... Yeah, exactly. So it's gotten that big, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly amazed by this because it just seemed to me like always. Amateur astronomy was going to be a niche thing that nerds did at night, and they looked up and they, they took images through modified webcams or whatever it was, right? But now it's it's just a, it's an entirely can, it's a very rich hobby. You can get amazing quality from from very inexpensive gear now that just boggles yeah. the imagination. That RC six, I always tell Dustin, I'm like, this is their the TPO RC six back here. It was like three hundred dollars, right? First yeah, thing I do, brand get, new. yeah, get that thing brand new out of the box, two ninety nine. Get it, take the focuser off, put Arasato on it, and all of a sudden it's this like, it's a photon machine. Like, yeah, I love imaging, that scope. It's, that it's one of the best things yeah. you can do under a thousand dollars. That yeah, thousand millimeters basically nine hundred and eighteen millimeters with a reducer, so it shoots at f six, and it's under three hundred dollars for the scope. It's silly. Yeah. I have so much fun with that. Well, we got a few minutes left. Can I ask a couple questions from the chat that we oh, have? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, so Gregorius is asking you, Tom, on YouTube, uh, Tom, how hard is it to jump ship? I want to work on, te- I want to work on a telescope manufacturer too. He wants to know if Prima Luce is hiring. <laughs> we will eventually. So I'm, I'm employee number 10 of a pretty small company. It's pretty small. So yeah, if we, if we, wow. if we considering, yeah. considering what they do, they do everything from from uh, com- these Eagle computers to radio telescopes and complete observatories. That's a lot for 10 yeah. people. Yeah, we make we make five meter radio telescopes and, and install them like, yeah, we're actually we're we're building an interferometer in Dubai. <laughs> it's pretty oh, wow. cool. Yeah. But I mean, we do that with just just a few people and and it's because they're amazing people. So how hard was it to jump ship? It was, from Apple too. it was hard. I mean, probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, really. I mean, and then, and then we were kind of because planning scary on, or, or yeah, you really happy it, all Apple? of it, all of it. I mean, uh-huh. well, I, I was 20 years at Apple. Obviously I was happy there on some level. I was ready for a change. Things that are kind of changing there in my immediate group. Um, 
you know, I probably could have looked within the company and stayed longer, but I, I really honestly felt like I'd done what I needed to do there and, and my heart had moved on. And so like, for me, it became kind of a, I have to do this. Like finances be damned at some point, I'm going to have to do it just because I, I really felt the pull to, to leave. So, but it was difficult. It was difficult financially. And then by the time we were getting ready to do it, the whole pandemic hit, which made it like infinitely more difficult. And then, oh, man. I can oh man. Yeah. So I actually, I was going to quit in April. Like I had these visions of like 20 years in one day, you know, boom, like throwing down, I'm out. And, uh, and then the, the pandemic hit and everything kind of just like shut down. Italy ended up shutting down cause they had it really bad at first. And, and I ended up, I had a, like this long standing resignation where they all knew I was going to leave like the day after my anniversary. And then I ended up asking my boss, can I unquit for a little while? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. They're like, yeah, well, my, his boss didn't want me to, he kind of wanted the old guard gone, but, but Apple actually like their human resources was like, this guy's worked for us for 20 years and there's a pandemic going on out of a duty of care. I think we should let him stay. So they, they let me stay like an extra three, four months. But, um, yeah, once, once that day came, I mean, it's still scary. We're still a new company here. So it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. No. Very start, very startup kind of feel to it. Is it? Or Oh yeah. I mean, this company, like I said, I'm the 10th employee. This, this thing's a startup, like, which may be why it feels like home to me because Apple always kind of felt like a startup in a way, like all the groups within Does there it? kind even of, now? Yeah. Oh, sure. Even that it's now? the largest wow. company in the world. Right. Yeah. But the like most the valuable groups, one too. Yeah. yeah. The products though, that, that they, they incubate within the company are all kind of treated like startups. Like you, you, it has the feel like you're, you're surrounded by really young, like, tech innovation and everyone jumps in on it and spends the hours and feels just like a startup. Wow. But I mean, they're backed, like Dustin said, it is the largest company by market cap in the world now, right? Yeah. I think two trillion or something. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. I mean, yeah, I mean that, that I was a gadget dude, which drew me to Apple and I love the engineering. Right. But then that's also the same thing that's drawn me to Prima Luce, right? They're, I'm a gadget guy and I love their gadgets and they're so well built and they solve so many problems. So, yeah. Well, there you, there you go, Gregorius. Take the jump, man. Do it, Gregorius. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean. Go for it. I, I yeah. don't think. Uh, there's no way I would have been this happy if, if I had stayed. So it's worth it. Now's it's the time, scary. too. I mean, yeah. apparently there's there must be there must be jobs out there uh, for people interested in optics and, oh, and design. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, the astronomy field that. is so hot right now. Dustin selling yeah, everything that comes the through time. the door. Dustin's hiring. Yeah, Every time I go over there, the he's like, do you know anyone that wants to yeah. uh, refurbish these <laughs> telescopes and and and, or, or just, you know, I mean, a lot wants, of positions, yeah. I mean, we, we've got people in, you know, 10 or 11 states now and, you know, expanding. Um, so we're definitely hiring OPT. Just uh, those are going to HR at OPTCorp.com if you have if you want to send a resume in anyone listening. Um, but yes, we are hiring. We'll be hiring through 2021. 
And um, yeah, I mean, I the, it was it was scary for me too making the jump, Tom. But I, like it was, I mean, it was really scary. Um, just because everything I had done to that point was towards something else. But once I made the jump, I realized like it's the best decision I ever made in my life. Now yeah. I hope that reincarnation is real because I'm going to come back and work at OPT again. <laughs> do it the right way the yeah. first time. I'm going to yeah. do it again. <laughs> All that wasted time. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're definitely killing it, Dustin. That's for dang sure. So, oh man. I well, and, and I would vote, I would vouch for anybody who wanted to go to work. It is an awesome group of people. They are really great people. Oh yeah. At I, OPT. So that's one of the cool it. things about moving here was that. I, I, I'm like 20 minutes away from these guys. So like I can go, <laughs> I can go, will call something or if yeah. Dustin and I are collaborating on something. I can go over there and just, Dustin, like it's right there. And, Dustin and, is, 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 is not good for my liver. I can't hang out with it for too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, where's Hello. my drink? Oh man, yeah, I just sent it down uh, to floor. I'm, I'm envious. I'm gonna have to break one out here in a minute myself. So yeah. uh, AE Mitty. AE Mitty's got a question for you, Tom. He wants to know what you did mm. at Apple. Well, they don't like people talking about it too much, but I basically worked in their internet. Oh, group. you got NDAs and all that to deal with? I just I don't know. That yeah, I I worked I was a lab rat and I worked in a lab that that ran a lot of devices um, that would test a lot of their internet presence. So iTunes stuff, and iCloud stuff and uh, things like that. We would just have, we would have walls and walls of like iPhones and iPads and Apple TVs and HomePods and laptops and all of them running scripts and doing cool things. Yeah, okay. Cool. All right. Um, Astro Canuck wants to know, um, how do you guys personally keep your spirits up during long stretches of bad weather when it impacts visual and astrophotography? That's from Astro Canuck. Move to Southern California. That's why. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I know the challenge, though. When I lived in Tennessee, I would be so, like, frustrated by the weather app on my phone. Because you look at it and you, you look at you open it with excitement. But then you see the entire week is cloudy or rain. And then it's just like, it's so disheartening because all you want to do is get a few hours in, you know, of that exploration and it's robbed from you by the weather. I totally get, I get the question. I understand the pain. Um, Yeah, we we don't really deal with that out here. Um, Not not to rub it in. Well, this year we had to deal with smoke though. Not to rub it in, but I will. No, yeah. I mean, we had our own challenges this year with smoke. Yeah. So, like, we, right. ev- we would have had numerous days of clear skies this summer, probably the whole summer long. But but that's partly why we started Clear Skies Network was, you know, the observatories was a way to, especially once, you know, uh, coronavirus hit, we thought, like, we don't want the conversation to stop. We were just talking about how that interest is so important. And so let's open up the observatories to run. Let's people see this live or even control them live. And, um, I'm just now getting back to getting them repaired. We had, we had two of them go down in California. And so they're both getting repaired, actually one of them on Thursday. So it'll be back up and running, but, um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's tough. And so you've got to find other ways that you can get your viewing in or come have the conversations with us on Clear Skies Network. There's something going on every single night of the week on Clear Skies Network, um, including, you That's know, on time Twitch, with, by the way, Twitch, twitch.tv. Yeah, exactly. Twitch.tv forward slash Clear Skies Network. And uh, Tony and I both hang out on there and it's just a conversation hanging out, talking Astro. Yep. On Thursdays is when I stream mostly. So, yeah, me too. Uh, so. So Astro Canuck is like, guess I should move out of the UK. Astro Canuck, I, uh, Canuck, I thought you were in Canada. What's what's with that? What's with that handle, man? Uh, so yeah, do, I, I feel so bad for the people in the UK, and they get like, yeah. what, well, Ian's maybe, there right now. Ian's, yeah, Ian's yeah. in England right now. He, they get what, yeah. like a dozen nights a year or something like that. I know it's, it's tough. I know I lived there for a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, hardcore. Well, man. they good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> England. But they manage, you know, but the only place I've ever actually seen the International Space Station was in England. Uh, I would happen to be clear. I saw it, you know, through some clouds uh, as it peeked through a few of the high, high layer cirrus clouds. And I sure enough, I saw it. And that that's I my Dustin and I were out like the other night and he looks up in my backyard and he's like, oh, International Space Station. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's more like, hey, hold on a second before you <laughs> yeah, start your exposure. International Space Station's going through it again. Yeah. Oh, Actually, okay. I was taking an image one night of uh, the Cygnus wall and the ISS actually perfectly bifurcated the Cygnus wall, flew like straight through it. And I posted the um, I posted the sub on their Facebook page. I'm like, well, that's 30 minutes. I'm never going to get back. And they're like, let us know next time we'll move. <laughs> like, right. Give you a heads yeah, up. Yeah. I'm going to be imaging tomorrow yeah. night. Stay away from Cygnus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well it's well it's been wow we, we've used up our hour guys so um that was amazing so that was really cool thank you tom for taking time out to uh to talk with us about well everything no man Pumas thanks for and, the invite i and prima luce i i listen to you guys all the time so this is like i was i'm still like there may be a, a few minutes left is Catherine machen still gonna come on I, like she cat machen's on every episode right no, <laughs> no, she's not. On. Oh. But we do, we do need like her you. back, though. We do need her back. I've been yeah. waiting for Pat, her. To we come miss on. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no this was a treat. Here Thank you guys for having me. Because now, well, first I get to put a face with your voice, Tony, which is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I get to check a box because I've always wanted to be on, be on this show. So, yeah. well, you're welcome anytime, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Tom, Tom Bramwell, he is the you're, you. You are the North American. I'm the Liaison? director what, what, of operations. The director of operations in North America for Prima Luce Lab. It is a wonderful company with great with great uh, great equipment. You want to check out their website, primalucelab.com, and see all the kind of stuff they've got there. Of course, you can also get anything you need from them, also from OPT. Yeah. So I would encourage you to check all of those places out. On behalf of Dustin Gibson, I'm Tony Darnell. We're done this time. We're going to close this episode out. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. And as always, keep looking up. Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com. <laughs>